Hello and welcome, you're listening to Mouse Madness, a podcast dedicated to bracketing all things Disney. I'm Chris Bowersox. And I am Kyle Skinner. And we're your hosts for Mouse Madness. Each episode, we'll focus on a single Disney topic, generate a bracket, and debate our way through the madness to figure out who or what is truly the best. Follow us and play along on Twitter at Mouse Madness Pod, or send us an email at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com. All right, Kyle, we're back. Round two. Best Disney animated movie? Yep, we're back. Uh, it was a doozy of a first part of this uh, this episode, this bracket here, and I think people had a lot of feelings. They definitely expressed it to us that they had a lot of feelings, and I think that's great. And I think what is also great is that we have Taylor back to break yet another tie break for this bracket. Taylor, welcome back to the pod. Hi guys, I'm back, and I have a lot of opinions, so get ready. Yeah, Taylor, how was your week or a couple of weeks in between recordings here? Did you do a lot of homework? Did you think about it a lot? Yeah, I did a lot of homework. I watched all of the movies, and also I thought of all the things I should have said in the first podcast that I didn't, (laughs) and I was like really upset with myself, but... Oh, well. Welcome to our world. Things <laughs> that I wish I had said on the podcast. And things that I wish I hadn't said. There's plenty of times where I say something and I go back and rewatch the movie and I'm like, ah, well, I was wrong. <laughs> okay, well, let's move on to our Spoonful of Sugar segment. Kyle, what are you drinking tonight? Well, I'm drinking uh, something that I put together before uh, this episode recording here. I didn't really look up any recipes. I just went with it, and I'm calling it the put that thing back where it came from or so help me. And I'm calling it that because it is quite the concoction that was missing one key ingredient until I put it in there, and I, I was about to I was going to be done with this drink. So what it is, it's uh, it's a shot of coconut rum. It's a shot of vodka. It's a shot of gin. And I thought, hmm, what, what can I do a little bit of flavor with? Uh, so I put some Midori into it, uh. the silent killer. And it turned green, and I was like, oh, Mike Wazowski. So took a couple sips, and I said, ah, no, this isn't going to do it. A little too potent for me. So I added some mango passion fruit to the mix, and it is just right. So I highly suggest people go and try this. Um, I'm, I may not survive to the end of this episode. <laughs> that sounds like, uh, I'd like to put it back where it came from, honestly. <laughs> what are you drinking, Chris? I went with another Parks concoction. This one is found at Walt Disney World at the Skipper Canteen. It is a non-alcoholic drink. It's called a Schweitzer Slush. It's a icy slush beverage. Um, and mine's a spiked Schweitzer Slush. Uh, so the base concoction is frozen apple juice and passion fruit topped with bursting green apple boba balls. Okay, this is hands down the most work I've ever done to put together a spoonful of sugar drink wow. for this show. Yes, I had to order boba balls from Amazon, which are surprisingly not cheap, okay. but almost more surprisingly, 
they don't last very long once you open them up. Like once you unzip the bobas, they're they're like bad in three days. So okay. there will be lots of apple boba flavored beverages in my near future. <laughs> But it's probably the best part of this drink. So it's got those in there. Um, and according to the menu, this is a drink that was first concocted by the noted explorer and humanitarian Dr. Albert Slush. And it is traditionally served in a Jungle Skipper Canteen souvenir mug, which I do not have. <laughs> but um, I love the uh, description. And it's actually a really, really good drink. I threw some vodka in it and... It's a spiked Schweitzer slush. It's a tongue twister as well. It sure is. Taylor, you got a spoonful of sugar tonight? Yes, I went apple too. Um, mine is hot poison apple cider. Wow. Yes, and it's also non-alcoholic. And oh, it really okay. is just apple cider from the store heated up. So yeah. <laughs> We do not condone drinking in any way on this show. So, uh, alcoholic spoonful of sugars, non-alcoholic spoonful of sugars, we love them all. All right, before we get into our final four Disney animated movies, we're going to crack open the Mouse Madness inbox. We got a few emails this week. We got one from our friend of the show, Tess. She always emails us. She's got great opinions, and she said a few really great things Uh after last week's episode. So I'm going to kind of quickly go over a few of the points that she made here. Um, first of all, she agreed with us about Tarzan and Hercules missing the bracket and how people running through the parks, which our demographic was for this survey, they might not say Tarzan, Hercules right off of the bat because they're movies that aren't necessarily represented in the parks very well. Um, she also expressed a love for Lilo and Stitch, which we didn't talk about at all um, in, in the first episode. She appreciated its and how it has a non-nuclear family as its um, focus, which I think is really awesome. Um, and it's something that Disney has done more of recently. So I definitely agree with her that that's a really good part of that movie. She did say that she understands that a lot of people don't love that movie because Stitch has become like over-marketed, kind <laughs> of like how Tinkerbell has become over-marketed. Like, Tinkerbell is such a small part of Peter Pan, but she's like everywhere. And Stitch is kind of that way too in Lilo and Stitch, um, where he's kind of become so much more than the weird thing that he is in the movie and it was great because i got that email the day that i saw a woman wearing a stitch shirt at target and i and i had that thought when i saw it and then i came home to this email and it was like wow i really agree with that like they milked this stitch thing for like no real reason just because he was like over the top silly i guess she also expressed an appreciation for Emperor's New Groove, which I agree is an incredibly funny Disney movie, extremely underrated. Perhaps it'll make an appearance on another episode in this podcast. We are spitballing ideas for a underrated Disney movies bracket, and I think Emperor's New Groove would probably be in that conversation. For sure. Because I know a lot of people that think that's a really underrated movie. She mostly didn't like our opinions on all of the movies in the left side of the bracket, how we kind of <laughs> praised all of the classics, particularly Pinocchio. She had a great take on Pinocchio saying that it was praising child trafficking, which um, 
I don't know that it's praising child trafficking so much as just kind of acknowledging that it exists and it is a danger that is out in the world. And I think Pinocchio as a movie is kind of just like we've said before, and we will for sure unpack later on in this episode. It is a cautionary tale. That movie gets a little too real in some places, and we will talk about that soon. Yes, we will. Thank you, Tess. Appreciate the feedback. Um, Kyle, you have one as well. I do. This one comes from a friend, Sally, and Sally writes, Hey, Kyle and Chris, I've been really enjoying your podcast, which I listened to during my hour commute to school. To be honest, you guys tend to surprise me in some of your picks, but your arguments are always valid and they make me think about concepts I hadn't considered. So great job on your conversations. They are always entertaining. Positive start. Here we go. Although, where is the love for Pocahontas, specifically in the best Disney animated movie bracket? I understand it's due to the group and not your personal decision, but if there were, if I were one of the adults running in Tomorrowland to Space Mountain, which I would never, she says, Pocahontas <laughs> would easily be in my top five, and it wasn't even mentioned in your movies, just to miss the dance. I hope I can hear you guys discuss this movie in a podcast soon. I hope I don't, you don't drag it too much. Keep it up. Sally. P.S. Love hearing your Spoonful of Sugar segment giving me drink ideas. And Chris, there's nothing better than a hot chocolate with peppermint schnapps when it's cold outside. Thumbs up emoji. Thank you, Sally. I agree. Um, Pocahontas is another movie, just like Tess brought up in the other email, that will be talked about. I can guarantee it. And it's another one of those maybe underrated movies um, that these people running through to Space Mountain didn't think about. Um, and I appreciate you including that you're not one of them because I'm with you. I would not either, especially in this uh, this day and age. I have, and I will again, honestly. <laughs> All right, Chris, we have one more. Yeah, just real quick, we had a tweet from Jason that I really appreciated. It was a photo of his daughter who had a Tangled-themed birthday party. And uh, Jason's a huge Lion King fan, and he was upset that... Lion King got bounced, but he's like, you redeemed yourself um, by advancing Tangled as far as you did, and here's a picture of my daughter at her Tangled theme birthday party. Which <laughs> I thought was really awesome because I didn't really realize how big Tangled is amongst children these days. Like they have a whole Tangled animated series now that's really good, um, and it's kind of grown to become this really, really present property. So I think I think it's awesome, and I think it kind of speaks to something I'm sure we'll talk about because we, as we said, we kind of have a classics versus new school situation going on in the finals. So um, you know, it's interesting to see the different types of things that inspire different generations. And for Jason's daughter, it's Tangled, which I think is awesome. Yeah, for sure. And I think that upon that point, like Taylor would agree, right? Taylor, like. Tangled is a very slept-on movie. Yeah, huge for my sister Morgan. She loved Tangled, so I can definitely see where Jason's daughter's coming from. All right, everyone. Let's get into it. Let's roll our sleeves up. Let's get our hands dirty. Let's talk about our final four best Disney animated movies. We're starting off with our classics side of the bracket that happened organically. This was not planned. We've got Sleeping Beauty versus Pinocchio. Now, these are two very, very different movies. And I 
off the bat, I really can't decide because they're so different. So I'm going to kind of go through here and just say some things that I like about each of these movies and some things that I don't like about each of these movies. We talked in episode one a lot about the animation in Sleeping Beauty. It is incredible. It has aged really well. Pinocchio's I don't think is as sharp. It's definitely not as colorful. I don't necessarily think it's aged poorly, but I will say that the blue fairy animation is not very good. It's a little bit soft. It might be done intentionally because she's kind of like this innocent, light character. Um, but uh, watching it today, it, it doesn't really look good. Um, and there's also some color issues, particularly in High Diddly D. There is an overhead shot of Pinocchio and Honest John and Gideon running down the street. And Pinocchio is like one color of tan. It's really weird and probably just like they were cutting corners at the last second or something but it was noticeable to me I don't know I, I might be over observant but um, it didn't look good and there's also some weirdness when the coachman is driving the little troubled boys to the dock to like ship them off to Pleasure Island Something's weird going on with like the animation of the little boys hanging off of the stagecoach. It looks super sloppy and super cheap and done super quickly. So um, obvious advantage here goes to Sleeping Beauty when it comes to the actual animation. The color palette, I'm not sure is a great argument because Pinocchio is actually a super dark movie. And so the color palette is mostly a little bit more drab and a lot darker. Um, so let's let's talk a little bit about about the darkness in Pinocchio. We've said before on this podcast that it's a cautionary tale, um, and it is actually really scary. Uh, I watched this recently in between recordings, and it doesn't get any less scary. I think it has a really solid foursome of villains. None of them are really bad enough or good enough in their own right to have been included on our villains bracket but like collectively it's 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 pretty stacked it's got honest john and gideon right who are extremely manipulative and um cunning and then you got stromboli who is just like super powerful uh, and very intimidating and then you got the coachman who is whose like face turns into like a devil face at one point and he like kids kidnaps children and then you've got monster of the whale who's pretty iconic I don't know that he's like a sentient being necessarily, but um, just super powerful and um, scary in his own way. So I kind of like that the movie instills a little bit of fear in you. That's something that you don't necessarily get in Sleeping Beauty. Maleficent kind of comes in a little bit hot at the beginning. She didn't make it too far in our villains bracket. After rewatching Sleeping Beauty, I was kind of like, you know, we kind of did her dirty a little bit. But then rewatching some of these other movies, I was like, you know what? Eh, maybe we were kind of right on that. She is a little bit, she does come in a little bit hot, a little bit like a caricature of a villain. I don't know. So I think I'm going to go with the villain's advantage to Pinocchio. Both of these movies have really, really good soundtracks, really good music. The Sleeping Beauty music is straight up a ballet. And the Pinocchio music is almost like operatic or like a classical musical composition. I think it's a deadlock with those two, but I will say I like the themes in Pinocchio better, like the musical themes. Do 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 do, and then like uh, 
you got the when you wish upon a star. Right. Um, and, and all that. It's just like, like we said in the last episode, it's got this rhythm to it that is, mm-hmm. is so cool. Um, Disney, Walt Disney went all out with Sleeping Beauty when it came out and he made the centerpiece of his Disneyland park, Sleeping Beauty's castle, which I think says a lot about how Disney itself sees this movie. It's like the crown jewel of how it thinks about this concept of fantasy, which defines Disney as a company. Sure. So I think that, that, um, is worth a lot when we're talking about this. Um, but in 2019, looking back 57 movies later, this idea of fantasy is fluid, right? Sure. Fantasy for one person is different than what it is for the next person. And so, you know, back then when Sleeping Beauty came out, you know, knights and princesses and princesses and fairies, uh, you know, that, that resonated with a lot of people, but nowadays maybe not so much. Pinocchio doesn't really have any of that stuff but it is fantastic in its own right you get really into that movie and pinocchio is kind of a dum-dum but for some reason you just like can't you just love spending time with the kid so i think that argument's kind of a wash but at the end of all of this i think sleeping beauty has something for everyone in it it's got the fantasy element it's got the royalty element it's got really strong action elements it's got good comedy we haven't talked about how funny the fairies are, Flora, Fauna, and Meriwether, who Fauna, the green one, is my favorite. She's such a dingus. She's hilarious. Um, and those sequences are laugh out loud funny, you know, yeah. all these years later. And the music's good. I mean, it, it, it's got everything. There's really nothing to dislike about it. I, I do agree with Tess that the child trafficking thing is a little bit intense. I don't know that I like that in a Disney movie. I will say one real problem I have with Pinocchio is with Geppetto. Now, he doesn't get a whole lot of backstory or development or anything like that. And I think that his situation might have been a little bit more powerful if maybe he used to have a family of his own and he lost them, or maybe he was you know, always wanting a child and never had the opportunity to have one. Maybe it's like a Santa Claus situation where he was so focused on bringing joy to the children of the village that he never got to, you know, give love to a child of his own. I think it definitely would have raised the stakes of the story considerably. And, you know, I understand that it would have added a more adult aspect to this movie that's kind of supposed to be a family movie. But, you know, I do think it was a missed opportunity. And and if this movie was released in 2019, I don't think that they would have missed that opportunity. So I'm going with Sleeping Beauty, Kyle and Taylor. All right, I'm gonna address a few things that you just brought up in this uh, in this argument here. Number one, sloppy animation. I'd like to remind you that Pinocchio was the second movie released by <laughs> by Walt Disney, literally three years after Snow White. Like, let's go back and watch Snow White. I'm pretty sure that it's pretty bad. Yeah, it is. So, can you fault it? At this stage in our bracket, where we're defining best Disney movie, and especially when the other side of the bracket isn't even hand-drawn, can you actually compare animation styles? I mean, they were they were shortcutting because they had to draw every single thing by hand. Of course, I would shortcut that too. Number two, I think that Pinocchio is just as funny as Sleeping Beauty. I agree with you. The fairies were 
laugh out loud. But the difference with Pinocchio is that, like, Pinocchio is so dumb and naive because he's supposed to be because he doesn't have any life experience that, like, the choices he makes and the things he does is, like, very face-palmy, like, oh, my God, ha-ha sort of stuff. I still think that's funny. I think, like, when Jiminy literally tells him not to trust strangers and Pinocchio immediately turns around to go trust Gideon and Honest John, like, that's fantastic. The fact that Honest John's name is Honest John is incredible as well. I think that's super funny. So I don't know that just because the fairies have like a couple scenes and they're also side characters that add the comic relief, I don't know if if I agree completely that that's in favor of Sleeping Beauty. I think that also the point about human trafficking just adds to the strength of the story of Pinocchio that's supposed to be this cautionary tale and it's it's using a very 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 extreme example of of why you need to listen to your conscience and and choose good from bad because if you choose bad things can end up really 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 bad and that just adds to the overall villainy of the movie because the movie doesn't have a central villain like uh, many of the other movies does and I think that Pinocchio kind of harkens back to something that Walt himself touched upon. And I'm going to read a quote from Walt that he's quoted in a... Uh, okay, okay. We're pulling Walt to I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm just trying to bolster my, uh, my opinion of Pinocchio here. Anyways, he told the review... Uh, animation offers a medium of storytelling and visual entertainment which can bring, bring pleasure and information to people of all ages everywhere in the world. The Pinocchio is the, the most fantastic combination of information and pleasure. It's a movie that has many different pot points within one pot of Pinocchio constantly getting in trouble and trying to find his way back while also putting you in kind of cliffhanger situations of, is Pinocchio going to get out of this birdcage? How is he going to get out? Is Pinocchio going to get out of Monstro? How is he going to get out? Yes, as you brought up, the castle is named Sleeping Beauty's Castle, but Sleeping Beauty's Castle was named that before the movie even came out, and it was, I mean, technically a marketing ploy to get people to want to go see this movie and the castle doesn't even look like Sleeping Beauty's castle in the movie. So, is is there anything there? I'm not too sure. Um, all that being said, I think that the simplicity of the fairy tale is not quite up to par with the uh, cautionary tale and the, uh, the many layers and levels of Pinocchio. So, I'm going with Pinocchio as the best movie in this side of the bracket. Taylor, here we go. So, I'm hearing you guys both say how much you liked Pinocchio. And in the first episode, I said, I didn't really have an explanation for why I didn't like it. I just remember watching it as a little uh -oh. girl and being like, yeah, I don't really like this. So then I rewatched it. And because I wanted to figure out why I didn't like it. And I think I figured it out. So... First, off the bat, tons of nostalgia watching Pinocchio, and that was great. And when you're watching it, you just want to bob your head. 
But it's kind of like the animators were like, look, I can animate. And then they were just putting together these like boomerangs to music. And it was just like bouncing back and forth. It was 1940. Okay, okay. (laughs) It was 1940. What are they supposed to do? For me, it was so boring. Like I couldn't, it was so hard for me to watch it. I was so bored because I just felt like it was so slow. But the reason I think that I didn't like it is because there was no strong female character that I related to or wanted to aspire to be like. Like, and why did Geppetto not want a girl? Why did he want a little boy? Okay, I 100% agree with you. And my theory is that they released Snow White and were like, oh, little girls want to be Snow White. We need something for little boys now, which is like a really not great way to think about how you release movies. I just feel like you can have it all. And maybe they didn't figure that out back then. But I'm looking at like what is classic, what stood the test of time. And I also feel like the idea of a dream is a wish your heart makes is great. And as an adult watching, I was seeing Geppetto like putting all this work into his puppet and like working towards his dreams. And then the wish is like the one thing that set him over. And that was great. But as a kid, I don't think that you really understand how much work went into making the puppet because you kind of are just like plopped in right before he paints the face on and then he makes the wish and then it happened. So then I feel like kids will be like, oh, I can just wish on a star and then my dreams will come true. But I kind of like how they did it in Princess and the Frog better because it was like, no, there's a lot of work and then you can also wish on a star but you have to put in the work. Does that make sense? Okay, now we're bringing back movies that have already been announced dead. Um, so yeah, I'm going to take out Pinocchio in this round, and I'm going to advance Sleeping Beauty with Chris. Oh my. Oh my gosh. Who's the strong female character in Sleeping Beauty? Flora is super strong. I'm sorry, I'm asking Taylor to answer this question. Okay, for the strong female character in Sleeping Beauty, that is going to have to wait until the top two because I have a lot to say about that, but I'm saving I'm saving Sleeping Beauty. All right, well, reluctantly, I will succeed to that announcement, and Sleeping Beauty is going to move on to the finals. Next up, we have number seven, Frozen, versus number 14, Tangled. Now, I would like to personally apologize to everybody who's listening to this because after last uh, episode, I rewatched all of these movies, including Tangled, and I believe at one point in the uh, in the bracket, I had said that Tangled songs are show tunes and they're not very reflective of Disney, and. Uh, Upon further review, I've decided that is completely incorrect. Tangled songs are pretty close to quintessential Disney, in my opinion. Uh, you can take away, I guess, like the Snuggly Duckling song. Take that out because as, as Chris brought up last episode, he got Shrek vibes. And I think a lot of the Shrek vibes come from that scene in particular because uh, I got them too. It was very silly and it was very mocking. But I think everything else is very Disney. Um, the story is 
it harkens back to the nostalgia of of Disney Animation's past, where it's this fairy tale that's trying not to be a complete fairy tale, um, but in the end, kind of becomes that anyways. I think that at the same time, Frozen is also doing that, where they're trying to be a fairy tale, but not incorporate all of the fairy taleness of Disney's past. And if I were to put those two up next to each other, um, Frozen does that the best, like by far. Um, the I will give credit to Tangled. I think that Pascal the uh, Chameleon is absolutely hilarious. And I need people to go back and watch the scene where it's uh, the very first song that Rapunzel sings. And just watch Pascal. Don't watch anything else. Just watch the chameleon because he is incredibly funny. But I think that in everything that I've given as far as what I value from a good Disney movie and what I think represents a good Disney movie and the best Disney movie, I think that... Frozen's ability to to tackle not only social issues but also empower women with their with who, with their characters, um, not cop out to kind of s- the silliness that you would expect. Like Olaf was supposed to be the comic relief that we were all gonna roll our eyes at and think that this is a a dumb character, and it, he turned out to be a very solid character, I think, and. Uh, his his song is great, and the the emotional part that he plays in the movie is not to be forgotten. And I think that the whole Flynn Rider thing with the horse it was super kind of unnecessary and just felt really silly just for laughs. While Frozen really made you laugh because things were actually funny. Um, I you can try and compare animation styles but i don't think that's the route to go because they are essentially the same i think at the time that tingle was made the effects of her hair and it's glowing and stuff like that was really impressive um but i think frozen was i was and probably still is one of the more realistic things that we've gotten especially landscape wise besides the good dinosaur on the pixar side um and i just think that the that frozen just you want more from that movie and so for me i'm moving frozen on as the best disney movie okay i don't want to mislead anyone here i am also going to advance frozen but i want to give tangled a little bit of credit here um i do think that there are certain elements of tangled that are better than frozen I think Frozen has an incredibly deep roster of main characters and supporting characters, but I think Tangled has the stronger main character. I believe Anna is positioned to be the main character in Frozen, and I think Rapunzel is much stronger than her, probably because the movie's a little bit more focused on Rapunzel. It does wrap up, in my opinion, pretty abruptly. The final scene slows down again a little bit. I like the way that Tangled kind of stays with Rapunzel the entire time and you can watch her grow you can see her goals you can see her achieving those goals I just think that if you were to compare all of these characters individually Rapunzel would come out on top Um, so I definitely like that about Tangled I also think that I like the 
I'll call it the twist at the end of Tangled a little bit better when they cut off her hair to save everyone. And then she cries and then like Flynn comes back to life. I like that a lot more because that's something that you didn't really think about could happen, but it happens and then you go, oh, wait, you know what? I never really thought what would happen if they cut off the hair because like, why would they ever do that? But ultimately, I am a huge, huge fan of Frozen. I can talk about it a little bit more in the next round, but uh, yeah, getting the pass for me. Taylor, if we were deadlocked here, what would you say about these two movies? I would advance Tangled. I am. You guys may not know this, but I really, 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 really do not like Frozen. And we can get into that in the next matchup. Um, Tangled, I think, is great for everyone. You've got some slapstick comedy like that kind of caters more to like a young guy or a young little boy. And then you have the princess. I thought that the twist with the cutting hair was amazing. Better than the twist in Frozen. In Frozen, I felt like I knew from the get-go that Hans was going to be a bad guy, which I wish I had that power in real life. But And then also I knew that the sisters would be the true love. And maybe that's because I saw Wreck-It Ralph and I felt like that twist surprised me so much. So then I was kind of thinking, oh, that could happen in Frozen too. Um, Tangled, I just think, is better. And I will say this because when I'm watching a movie, I want to be immersed into the universe and the atmosphere. To me, Frozen, everything is ice blue. And when we're talking about best animation, we're also talking about the background. And when everything is just the same color, it's boring to me. I want to like feel like I can see like where we are and that there's changes. What I like about Tangled is there's multiple different places that they go and they're all themed differently. And there are some things I don't like about Tangled. One is if her parents were able to find the hidden magic flower, how could they not find their daughter? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then the same thing. Yes, like you could find her if you wanted to. And then um, all of the songs are just lists. (laughs) Once you realize this, it makes like listening to the songs kind of hard because it's like, they're really all just lists. You're right. Um, I love how Maximus the horse is kind of like a dog. And I also love how she stands up to her mom, Mother Gothel, which is way better to me than in Cinderella because Cinderella just sits there and takes it. But in Tangled, it's like, she really writes the wrong and stands up to her mom. So I like that. I think she's a stronger character. I think Frozen is boring. We can get into more of that in the next round. But yes, I think Tangled should have made it on. Yeah. All great points. All great points. I th- I think that the one counter that I have to use that Frozen is supposed to be all blue because it's supposed to add the gravity of Elsa putting this, like, spell over Arendelle like it's winter time now so they couldn't really escape it because it was everywhere and that it was supposed to add to the like the importance that they needed to change things back by everything being blue and cold and dark and that's the whole big summer blowout scene 
which makes it funny is because he's still trying to do summer stuff, but it all of a sudden turned winter. Um, but yeah, I, all great points, all great points. So we've made it. The final of our best Walt Disney Animation Studios bracket. We have number seven, Frozen, versus number nine, Sleeping Beauty. Now, I know that I just argued against Sleeping Beauty in the last round. That's because I'm a big Pinocchio guy. So let's go back and talk about the goods of Sleeping Beauty. Chris brought up a lot of good points. He brought up the comedy of Flora, Fauna, and Meriwether, which I think is fantastic. I even, while I was watching it, pretty sure I texted Chris how great those three were. And it wasn't just a random scene that was just comic relief. It was a scene that was building upon future uh, uh, plot points and especially develop their characters as well. Um, I thought that was super important. I think that was super well done for Disney, especially because they had a long way to come from Pinocchio, from literally Snow White, from Dumbo. Like they, They had years of figuring it out, and they finally did, and I think they got it right where they didn't need scenes of comedy that didn't add to the plot, but they could use it to add to the plot, and I think they did that very well. Frozen is is what we've been bringing up as as the peak of this era's animation. It's for sure what brought, in my opinion, it's what brought people back into the Disney sphere. I think that people were starting to get back into Disney, getting back, getting back, climbing, 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 and then Frozen happened, and people were like, yep, Disney's where it's at, here we are. I think that Frozen, despite it having many plot points, which was a downfall, and it, I think it still is, I think that they do it in a way that every plot point kind of matters and adds to the end result, and they don't really leave anything unturned, to the point where, like, what's going to happen if they turn this land back into what it was and not snow anymore? Oh, well, Elsa's magic, so she's going to make a cloud, a snow flurry cloud for for Olaf, and he's still going to be around, and he's still going to be an important character. Like, it wasn't just, like, an excuses, like, oh, well, uh, we don't know what happened to Olaf. We're going to have to create another movie and think about it for a couple more years. Like, they, they thought it out. An Olaf and, origin story? Are you going to bring up origin stories? An Olaf spinoff film, standalone Olaf film. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And <laughs> Olaf, a Frozen story. <laughs> yeah, I kind of wish, honestly. Uh, but they did. Well, do. you know what? I'm making fun of it now, but it's honestly probably gonna happen. They had Olaf's Frozen adventure already, so I wouldn't be surprised to yeah. make a feature-length Olaf it, film. It very well could happen, um, but it didn't, and. I think it was for the better, and I think that's going to be really explored just based upon the song list that they released for Frozen 2. Sleeping Beauty is a great fairy tale. Um, it's very—it's just quintessential fairy tale. Uh, damsel in distress who doesn't really know what what made her the way she is doesn't have any idea about the the history of Maleficent and and I think that 
we brought up or you brought up earlier, Chris, that the villains in Pinocchio were scary and Maleficent wasn't really that bad. But there was like three minutes of of footage from Sleeping Beauty where Maleficent cast a spell on her to prick her finger on the uh, on the spindle there where she's like entranced and she's walking up the stairs and there's this glow that she's following and like shoot for 1959 like that's incredibly impressive and it's also kind of scary because you're sitting there and it's basically silent except for the uh background music which is very daunting and very suspenseful that something could pop out at you at any time like I remember watching it and just being ready for something to happen and being on edge. And I think that's what that scene wanted to accomplish. And I think it did it very well. And that can all be attributed to Maleficent. I think Maleficent is a great villain. Um, She may not have done well in our villains bracket, but she's a great villain at that. Um, I think that if we're going to go best animated movie based upon everything that we've already given I think that I'm going to go with Frozen what has become quintessential Disney is not only a combination of animation story and soundtrack but it's it's that combined and I think that Frozen does that the best Uh, Sleeping Beauty has one song, and it's Once Upon a Dream. And it's a very famous song, but they just do different iterations of it. And sure, the time may not have allowed them to actually put in more effort into a uh, full-on album there. But I think that the, the way that the complexity of Frozen is worked out, I think that the way that it not only empowers everyone involved, but especially women... I think that it is what Disney aspires to be now, which is representative of the whole instead of of the past. And so I think it's the best animated Disney movie. There are some things that I agree with you and disagree with you. The music in Frozen is extremely memorable. And I think that every single song in that movie is pure fire. Even the prologue song where the guys are like chopping the ice blocks it's not super poppy but the subject matter of the song is extremely important to the plot and it is a prologue song where it kind of if you listen to what they're saying it paints a picture of what you're about to see in the movie and even the troll song which is one that often gets skipped i think is really good fixer upper the problem i have with that is that it comes off like this radio-friendly soundtrack, which is great, but when I think of Disney, I don't necessarily think of these pop hits. I think of what's present in Sleeping Beauty, where you have these classic themes and this soundtrack that exists throughout the entire movie. Frozen takes breaks to do these really awesome and fun songs where you want to sing along and all that stuff, and that's great, and I love that movie for that reason, but... I like how Sleeping Beauty has so many of these musical elements that have no words and are accompanying action that, you know, really give the movie a a flow and a rhythm. And, uh, you know, it it is a ballet. Like, it's literally, it is a ballet. I kind of said that offhandedly in the last round, but 
this is a real ballet that they took this music from, right? And so when I think of Disney and good music, I think of a soundtrack that uh, could accompany you walking through a Disney park and you really, your heart being filled with a sense of fantasy, like you're being transported into a different time and place. And I think while the Frozen music is fun to sing along with, outside of those songs, there isn't a whole lot left when it comes to the actual score of but, the movie. But Let It Go, and if you the think, Let It Go theme is played throughout the entire movie. It's the underscore. Almost every single time that Elsa shows up, Let It Go in some fashion is played into the score. But it's so far in the background that it's hard to register unless you're really listening for it. And something that you have to remember is that Disney wasn't always known for these movies that have hit after hit after hit after hit in the soundtrack. You know, your Lion Kings, your Herculeses, your Sleeping Beauties, your Frozens. I mean, that was like a, a 90s thing that really started with The Little Mermaid. And everything up until that point was a lot like Sleeping Beauty, where it was just a very complex musical composition. You know, you had movies where there were a couple of really good songs in it. You know, Pinocchio's got High Diddly D, and it's got When You Wish Upon a Star, and it's got I've Got No Strings, but, you know, those are kind of outlier movies that have more than one popular song in it. You know, one that you could play while you're, you know, in the car or working out or something like that. And so the fact that Sleeping Beauty only has one of those, I don't think works against it when we're talking about the music. I don't think you can really compare the two. I do agree with everything that you're saying about, you know, the different take that it has on you know, the classic fairy tale. I do think that Frozen has something in it for the modern audience, right? And I said when we were in the last round talking about Sleeping Beauty that different generations have different ideas of fantasy. And I think Frozen is a good example of that where you have those royalty princess elements, but they're doing so much more than just being a princess and standing there in a dress and looking pretty and dancing, you know, and waiting to be taken by the prince. You know, they're going out and doing stuff. And so in a lot of ways, it feels, and you said this when the Frozen 2 extended trailer came out, it's like a Marvel-y Disney hybrid where you have extreme action with, you know, some of those classic Disney elements. I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. I think that's a good thing and that it makes it a really good movie because your characters do a lot more and they're a lot more developed. Sleeping Beauty, Aurora only has like 16 lines in it. She isn't on screen for very long. But in my opinion, the movie is not about her. It's more of a slice of life. It's a snapshot of this fantasy world and this fantasy situation and you kind of have to approach the movie not in the sense that you're trying to examine in the characters or examine the plot. What you really have to examine is the feeling that it gives you, and it gives you this sense of wonder and whimsy, and I think that it takes you out of time and place more than Frozen takes you out of time and place, and to me, that is what good Disney movies do. They make you forget where you live and when you live. They whisk you far away. And you get that feeling when you walk through the gates of Disneyland, right? You walk underneath that plaque that says, here you leave today and enter a world of yesterday, tomorrow, and fantasy. So that's kind of the idea that the backbone of this company and the movies and TV shows that it produces is built on. And I think 
Sleeping Beauty accomplishes that more than Frozen accomplishes that. Now, I am completely obsessed with Frozen. I love Frozen. Me personally, it is probably my favorite Disney movie. But if we're talking about the best Disney movie, I don't think that I can argue for it being the best. In my opinion, if you're matching these two movies up against each other, Sleeping Beauty is the best Disney movie. I'm advancing Sleeping Beauty, so our finals have resulted in a tie. So that's going to go to Taylor to break this tie. I'm pinching myself. Did Chris really just pass up Frozen? Like, I'm so confused. I am a non-biased judge in these brackets here, okay? Just Holy because God. I love something doesn't mean that I can't argue against it, okay? Are, are we... But at the... <laughs> Are we relating the parts to the movies at the same time? No, that we're they not. We're, we're, we're each other because you you just use the parks as a reference to like w- why Sleeping Beauty works. It's an idea. It's an idea that you are leaving reality. Sure, he had many ideas. Exists, one of which was which exists in all Disney products and properties and movies and TV shows and parks and everything. It's he the had, idea of the company. You know, you're many... putting the name Disney on it, right? Sure, and he had other ideas. So such that's as the thing that, that it has animation brings pleasure and information. And the information that I get from Sleeping Beauty is don't cross a witch that has a spell. And the information that I get from that's Frozen... True. You should not do that. And the information... You never should if they existed. And the information I get from Frozen is... Not all that is good is as good as it seems. But th- this is what I'm trying to say is we're not arguing best movie among these 16 movies. We're arguing best Disney movie. And to me, and I think that Sleeping Beauty invokes that feeling better than Frozen invokes that feeling. For That's the second the time, trying to make. for the second time in this podcast history, we have the tiebreaker who decides the final outcome taylor give us your notes give us your thoughts who do you choose it is so funny because when you guys asked me to be on this episode i was like oh i don't really want to do best animated disney movie because i feel like that's like the premiere matchup (laughs) and i was like i don't know if i can really you know bring it home but here we are (laughs) Um, so I have definitely have a lot of thoughts. As you guys know, I don't like Frozen. But I will say that there are some good things going for it. So first off, they have an all-star cast with Adina Menzel, Kristen Bell, or is it Kirsten Bell? It's Kristen Bell, right? My favorite, Kristen. Josh Gad. I think he does an excellent job. Um, but... And this, you guys might want to sit down for. This is the reason I do not like Frozen. To me, it is a shameless, cheap money grab. And this is why. So when Frozen came out, I was in college. And my psychology professor was telling us about this new movie. And they said Disney did something very interesting for this movie where they studied children and how their brains work, and they studied which notes and what melodies would be the catchiest to hook these kids. So, and I looked it up. Um, 
I found an article online that says they used long notes with intervals close together. So it gets stuck in your brain and you immediately create an emotional connection to it. To me, pair that with the all-star cast. Disney knew this was going to be a massive hit and they were thinking merchandising, merchandising, and they were just seeing dollar signs. And to me, I feel like because of that, they kind of let some things slide like the background. And also I think it's sick that Olaf's dream is to be in summer when that will ultimately kill him. I think that's morbid and sick, funny for the parents, but honestly, grosses me out it's the it's the same pinocchio effect he wouldn't know he's a snowman he just showed up i know but the people who wrote it knew so i don't know it just creeps me out moving on to sleeping beauty earlier you asked me to say who's the strong woman in sleeping beauty and i agree with you i don't think it's aurora i think if i have to answer that question it's probably maleficent but that's another thing the reason that I think Sleeping Beauty cannot win, and it breaks my heart, comes down to the issue of consent with the sleeping kiss. So Sleeping Beauty is asleep, and the only way to wake her up is a man. That is such a weird concept today, especially in like the Me Too movement. I can't even imagine trying to explain that to my kids. I can't imagine explaining it to yep. a boy, like why that was okay, or a girl that right. that it doesn't matter that she was asleep. And yeah, the consent thing really creeps me out. It sends the message also that you need a man to be fully alive. And I do not condone that. You can be a great lady on your own. Also, Aurora has no autonomy at all. She becomes this pawn in the game between Maleficent and the Royals. And that's why I don't think she's a very strong woman. Coming into this bracket, I was thinking, you know, a classic really has to win because they're classic. But if you think about it, a classic is something that stands the test of time and where the message will still ring true. And I think because of the issue of consent, I don't think it stands the test of time anymore. And so I can't believe I'm doing this. I really am mad at myself. But I think Frozen wins. Oh my gosh. There it is. From the tiebreaker's mouth herself. Chris, I can't tell if you're frozen or if you are frozen in time or frozen because the movie Frozen won. But give me your thoughts. Taylor, I think that's a great take. I do think that it's 100% accurate, and I agree that that element of Sleeping Beauty is problematic. And, you know, honestly, I hope that with the launching of Disney+, Plus, we can all look at and talk about scenes like this that show dated gender dynamics from some of these classic Disney movies. And... You know, I hope that we can look at a movie like this as a cultural relic and we can talk about the problems with our friends and with our children without having to necessarily cancel movies like Sleeping Beauty entirely. Obviously, Peter Pan got bounced earlier in this bracket for a racist song, which I think is a little bit of a different case because it's really obvious. Um, so I do hope that when Peter Pan's released on Disney Plus that they remove that scene or at least alter it in some way. And knowing Disney, I'm sure that they're already on it. But it'll be interesting to see what type of 
action that the public calls for when they see some of these movies in a contemporary lens. And Disney's already said that they're not going to release Song of the South on Disney Plus, which is a really good decision. Um, but you know, I don't know the depths of the entire Disney catalog to know what else might be out there. Uh, so will Disney be ahead of the eight ball? You know, will they face some criticism? You know, or will we see some of these Disney classics entirely erased or gone or just completely canceled? I don't know. I guess we'll have to see when all that stuff comes out. And that is it. We have our final determined, based upon our tiebreaker, Taylor, the winner of the best Walt Disney Animation Studios movie is none other than Frozen. Let's cop it out. We have to cop it out. We cop it out always. Let's cop it out. Chris, I think that the only thing that spurs from this conversation other than I'm happy that a tiebreaker was able to let us know what's up is that it opens the door for a underrated bracket. Yeah, I mean, 57 movies, 16 made this one. I bet you we can find 16 more to talk about very easily. I can't wait because... You know, when we're talking about underrated, we're talking about picking apart pretty much every element of some of these movies and the reasons why they might be underrated, which means some ways that they're not great and then some ways in which they're surprisingly really good. So I can't wait for that conversation. But in the meantime, you guys know where to find us. You can find us on Twitter at Pod, or you can send us an email with all of your thoughts. I know that you have them at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com and of course thank you to Taylor for being our tiebreaker judge the last two episodes slash guest host really enjoyed having you on the show any final thoughts before we sign off thanks guys I'm really feeling the love um I'm really excited for this underrated one because Hercules Tarzan and Pocahontas need to be shown a little bit of love Yeah, we'll see about that. So anyways, thank you everybody else, and we will see you not running for Space Mountain. What I desire is man's red fire to make my dream come true. Now give me the secret man club. Come on, clue me what to do. Give me the power of man's red flower so I can be like you. Oh, oh.